You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too guys, that's not all they have. They also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. <laughs> Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for tonight's podcast. We're actually going to be doing a spoiler review for the 2019 DC original TV series, Doom Patrol. This movie, this TV series is actually a stars Brandon Fraser, April Broadley, Bowdley, Diane Dropro, I think that's how you actually say her name. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. But, you know, what I liked about this show is the fact that DC actually came out with some original content for the DC uh, app and everything. And now everything seems to be just moving over to HBO Max now. And actually, you know what? Whenever I'm thinking of Brandon Fraser, I'm thinking of The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, Blast from the Past. I'm thinking of him as being the good guy in this, mo- in this TV show. But 
I like how the narrator winds up saying, and let's just see what is happening with our heroes before they were actually heroes. And it goes into Brandon Fraser banging the nanny at the very beginning of the episode one. I'm like, okay, so this is not the Brandon Fraser that I'm used to actually seeing. This is actually the Brandon Fraser of this generation, of the 2020 generation, but it's a totally different character than what I was expecting. Yeah. And the fact that he was actually there banging the nanny. He's a NASCAR driver. He's a douchebag. He's evil cystical, uh, which is totally different from what I'm used to seeing Brandon Fraser as. I like that he did something a little bit different outside his realm. Also, too, I also like the part where his wife comes over to the beach house and you think that he's about to get caught. And all of a sudden he just puts his clothes back on like nothing even happened. He goes, no, Mike, the, our, our trial is right here. You see, everything is fine. <laughs> You're just overreacting, honey. And then the nanny's also in her clothes and everything as well. It looks like everything's all honky-dory and everything. And then he has that car accident. And we think that's actually how he becomes the robotic version of himself and everything. But there's a lot more that actually happens before that actually happens, which I thought that was actually fascinating because I thought I actually got that origin. What did you think of that whole entire opening scene and what you liked about from episode one? Uh well you're missing the part where Brendan Fraser is chunky, and I'm not yeah. used to him being chunky. Which I like chunky, chunky skinny. I don't care. I don't discriminate or body shame, but I'm just not used to Brendan Fraser being so um chunky. <laughs> right. But or seeing his butt, that was good. I like that. That was awesome. But yeah, I like you said, I'm not used to Brendan Fraser being the the dick, dickhead that he was in this series, just just bravado and not caring about anything or anybody. Uh we're always used to him being the the hero or our goofy, lovable whatever he right. wants to be in all his movies. Like and, the hero. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe he did one or two serious roles, but I can't remember. But I'm just used to comedic Brendan Fraser. Right. But this one, he's he's tapping into something really dark. He so. definitely is. He's doing something totally dark, something totally different than what I expected. And that's yeah. what threw me off of the loop the first time I saw the series was because of the fact I'm not used to seeing Brandon Fraser in that kind of way. The character is totally different, and I'm okay with different. I like when actors actually branch out of their original things and start doing something new. Not only that, but Brandon Fraser's been through a lot of stuff, especially in the 90s with the whole entire sexual harassment mm-hmm. and everything too. And it's just good to see him back again doing acting. And then, of course, you know, he sees his wife in this and his friend actually holding hands, making out and everything as they're as his as his race, um, as he's actually doing the race and everything for because he's actually a NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. So as he's going on ahead, looking to his left, he actually sees his friend making out with his wife. And he's like, what the fuck? And next thing you know, it. <laughs> Um, his car winds up getting into a car accident, and we think that's actually how he yeah. becomes the robot. The robot. Yeah. He plays a guy named uh, Ro- Robot Man. Is basically what uh, Brendan Fraser's <laughs> wow. name is. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
that's that's just the thing though i mean i like the fact that we were actually thrown for a loop for that because it could have been just very paint by the numbers kind of style of writing mm -hmm. like okay he got into a car accident with this nascar race and that's how he became the who he is a matter of fact how they actually did this timothy dalton's character chief winds up putting this brain his brain into this robotic body and then that's how brandon frazier beco becomes life again and He's having to walk all over again. He has memories of his daughter trying to help him and train him to go up the, go up the stairs. There's flashbacks of that. Hold on one second. Crichton actually said something. Doom Patrol had, ep had an episode in DC Titans. Do y'all think they should do more Doom Patrol crossovers? That would actually be pretty cool if they did do that. I'm okay if they do. Yeah. Uh, especially with the Titans. Because don't forget, we actually had... Uh, cyborg in this movie, a very young cyborg than what we had in the Justice League movie and things like that. So I'm okay if they do like a little bit of a crossover, just don't put Batman in it or something that will overshadow that character. <laughs> I love Batman to death. I love Batman to death. I love Superman to death. But I don't want those big name superheroes to overshadow a character like Cyborg or overshadow somebody that nobody's really heard of. And you can get a lot of good origin story going if you don't have if you have like these smaller characters show up and a crossover event for doom patrol yeah so that's why i'm thinking put people that we don't know that's in there forget about batman for a while forget about superman focus on uh, the smaller heroes and then build on from there that's yeah. what i'm thinking but okay. anyway uh, i have a question for you though john because uh, okay. i just thought about this <laughs> we didn't rehearse <laughs> um, I I know in the comments there was a crossover with Titans and Doom Patrol, but it was Beast Boy who did the crossover. Uh, right. Do you think they should have gone with that storyline instead of replacing um, uh, Beast Boy, replacing Cyborg with Beast Boy? To be do honest, I was okay with it. I was okay yeah. with the switch. And everything I felt like it was it works for what they were trying to go for with this universe. They can always go on ahead and do that in season three if they choose to do so. But for for just starting out on a Doom Patrol TV series, I felt like it was new, something fresh. So I think that was actually a good take to actually do something that was not familiar, and everything do something totally different mm -hmm. and make it unfamiliar to people that are not familiar with the comics and make it its own entity without having to say, oh, that's Beast Boy, or oh, that's that character. We, yeah. And everybody can just go on ahead and just watch it for what it is. So I actually like that aspect. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I, I'm curious if they would have gone that way with having Beast Boy be the intro into the crossover to Titans, which I have to watch after right. I wrap up <laughs> with um, season two. I may try that after season two, go okay. into Titans. Um, I think it would have been a pretty cool crossover. I mean, the people on the characters on this show anyway are weird. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be, um, I don't know, it wouldn't be any different to have just a green beast. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, but yeah. like I said, it, it worked out. Um, he wasn't an original member of the Doom Patrol. But hey, right. 
Another thing, though, too, that I want to mention is I like the fact that these are outcasts. These are not everybody. They all have their own demons that they're actually having to confront. It's not your typical superhero type of TV show or anything like that. These are people that are actually struggling with their own insecurities, with their own stuff, self-esteem, and also, too, trying to figure out what happened to uh, get Chief back over to the Doom Patrol mansion as mm -hmm. well. So you have that struggle of your inner peace and everything with your inner self, the struggle with that, and then at the same time trying to deal with what happened to the person that they actually look up to that's actually disappeared from his mansion to actually train them on how to actually control stuff and their powers, and they're having to learn it on their own. So there's that's their version of the Professor X. Xavier. Yeah. And yeah. the Professor Xavier is actually gone, so now they're actually having to train themselves. Yeah. versus somebody else training them, which I actually liked. And matter of fact, we actually see the repercussions in the very first episode where they blew a whole entire town up on an accident because of their powers. Yes. Which I thought was actually <laughs> funny. Yeah. But yeah. Let's just talk about some of them for a minute. I, I um, love Diane Diane's character, uh Crazy Jane, who has like 60 personalities just as birthed yes. out of her. I love yeah. that. The actress does a really good job of playing that character. The way she switches characters is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Yeah, it's a lot of depth of range because she she has to um, she has to go from like high to low to lower. <laughs> so that that takes a lot of talent for an actress just to right. experiment with all those different ranges that she has. Um, so yeah, I like her. I know that she wasn't the original member in the 1960s Doom Patrol, but she came like I think in the 80s. That's when yeah. Crazy Jane came in when they uh, rebooted Doom Patrol. But yeah, it fits. I like it. And then you, of course, you also have the actress that's in this show too. Yes. You have the actress, uh, the the character's actress name. I forgot her name. Um, Rita. Yeah, yeah, Rita. Yeah, yeah. Rita's character is pretty good though too, because she goes from being a snobby actress mm -hmm. to actually being top notch, way up there, to actually being shrunk down to size because of her condition that she's in. As a matter of fact, her superhero name is actually Elastic Girl. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I like in the comments, she, you know, she's a. Like you said, she's Elastic Girl, kind of like um, Mr. Fantastic in right. Fantastic Four. That's in the comments, that's what she was. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that aspect, but I can understand them making her into like the creature from the Blue Lagoon, basically. Black Lagoon, yeah. <laughs> Black Lagoon, yeah. I can understand. It also has a little bit of a blob kind of flavor, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, the thing, Stephen King's the thing too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, sorry. Whoops. I'm just okay. kidding. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah like, no, 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 Tamika. No. <laughs> I didn't study my notes. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Seriously. But going ahead. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I well, in the scene when we're introduced to Rita, you know, she had the cameraman and he had a deformity, like right. like half his limbs were cut off or something. Right. 
and she was disturbed by that and bothered. And she was a bitch, and she wanted them to replace the cameraman. She was like, I can't look at that thing all day. I'm trying to act. I'm an actress, you know. Exactly. And it becomes that deformity herself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and like she says throughout the whole season, she comes to term with why she became this creature. Just it was the ugliness inside her manifest outside. Right. You know, this becoming this blob, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is like you can have a pretty face, but an ugly personality inside of you. Yes. And that's exactly what she had. She had a pretty face. She was a beautiful woman. But underneath yeah. the surface and everything, she was an ugly person. And outside <laughs> is what happened. And then, yeah. of course, you know, I believe that the reason why we didn't get the whole Fantastic Four type of vibe to it, where she's, you know, uh, we got into maybe one episode, but mm-hmm. I think because of the fact, too, she's just now learning her power. She's trying to understand who she is. So, therefore, we don't have the full-on version of what we know her from in the comics. So, she's just learning as as everybody else is learning in this show. Just like Brandon Fraser's learning about his powers and stuff like that, but she doesn't really have any powers. He's just a robot that actually is strong. Yeah. <laughs> and everything that we actually saw. But then you also have Matt Bomer, who plays um, a gay character and everything, too, that falls mm-hmm. in love with a guy named John, who's actually part of the Air Force. And don't yeah. forget, from that time era and everything else, too, people that were gay and looked down upon and everything and stuff like that was actually considered not the normal. And matter of fact, we're actually going to get into the whole entire agency that actually ends up being the agency on normalcy. And basically yeah. what they do is they come in and dictate if you're normal or not, and then they put go on ahead and they arrest you for being different. So I actually like that aspect. And he was, as a matter of fact, you actually had an ex-agent that was actually uh, part of that group as well. You know, I thought that was actually pretty good. Uh, Crichton says, these characters seem to have life lessons for the characters. Yes, they do. I guess yeah. it's more Crichton. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good point too, Crichton. I, I really like this show. Uh, where at first I was like, what am I watching? You know, because it's just so bizarre. It's like a giant acid trip. And you're, mm-hmm. you know, like Larry says, who plays the Air Force character, he's like, you just go along for the ride. You don't question the weirdness, just go along for the ride. And I was like, okay, I'm here. But yeah, I, I really like how all these characters you can relate to or for being different and weird, like outside the norm. Right. And um the Bureau of Normacy, I think that's what that that yep. was. They remind me of the conversion camps that parents send their gay children to 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 convert them to be straight. And even back then, like in the sixties or 70s they did like these shock therapy treatments on on gay kids and just trying to get them back to just being normal you know but accepting them for what that bureau reminded me of too so it also kind of reminds me though too that normalcy thing kind of reminds me of nazi germany yeah a little bit -hmm. as well a matter of fact there is germans in this show as well there are nazis Yep, because remember the puppet one, because the narrator, which I thought is hilarious, the narrator is actually probably the most comical thing in this show. 
Well, was like, actually the villain, which is Mr. Nobody. You know, the narrator, I thought that was, um, oh gosh. <laughs> Just keep going. I, his okay. name slipped me just now. Oh, right. I have him on my t shirt. Can you believe that? Luke Skywalker. <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought the narrator yeah, thought was, like, was the, like the narrator. I thought that was who was narrating because they sound so similar. Right. I can understand that. I think I know who you're trying to tell me, but I forgot who it is, though, as well. I can't believe so, it. I'm gonna look it up. I can, the, I, I can see the actor's face, but I can't I remember. Face, and everybody's yelling at me like, "I can't believe you don't know." <laughs> and then Crane <laughs> said, "Well, well said, Queen of the North." John Main Star Chanting. <laughs> Queen of the North. That's in the South, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like with this show in itself, it's really good. The narrator was actually comical, like I mentioned before, which is also Mr. Nobody, which is also the villain of the show. And they're doing everything that the narrator is telling them to do. Mm -hmm. And they think that they actually have a lock on who Mr. Nobody is, trying to get Mr. Nobody. I actually love the stunts in one of the episodes whenever you actually have the whole entire puppet uh, episode where the episode um, and pretty much that was like a metaphor saying that they're actually puppets on a string and he's pulling the strings. Yeah. That's, that's what I got out of that context. Mark Hamill. Okay. That's what <laughs> Going okay. That bothered uh, me. Sorry. That's what I was looking at. Oh dear. I forget Mark Hamill's name. I know. What's wrong with us? Oh, we're so off today. We're going yeah. to go along with the ride. Like the exactly. character. Just go along with the weirdness, everybody. We'll, we'll do better. I'll be honest but, with you. I like Larry's character, though. Yeah, I do, too. And that actor's really good, Matt Boomer. I yeah. first saw him in The Normal Heart with Mark Ruffalo. And they, it was about Larry Kramer, the gay activist who had AIDS. And Matt Boomer played the boyfriend, and Mark Ruffalo played Larry Kramer, the activist, and they both contracted AIDS. So his depth of range and doing like powerful performances um, was really good. So I didn't really uh, know who he was with the bandages and everything else, right. but once we see his face, because it kind of goes in the flashback, the whole show kind of does these flashbacks of how the characters came to be who they are and obtain their powers. Um, exactly. But yeah, I like that too. Like a good backstory so I can understand why is this person so angry? Like Crazy Jane. Like why is she yeah. so angry? Oh, she has 64 personalities. That's mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Another thing though too, let's, uh, we're just not going to go episode by episode or anything like that. Yeah, but it's in and but, out. Like the show. Right. right. <laughs> Because here's the thing, I love my favorite episode is the underground one. Yeah, it has a very Stephen Kingish, um, not only Stephen Kingish kind of vibe to it, but it also has a Wes Craven kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Kind of feels like Nightmare on Elm Street and everything else because it does set up to be like a horror film. Also, too, it also reminds me of Terminator as well, especially when Brandon Fraser thinks he, that he's human still. He pops out his hand; he can actually feel the water coming down him. He's actually in. Her head, mm. and, and uh, Crazy Jane's head, 
And I like how they actually use it like a, as an underground railroad where one personality actually has to ride on this train to go up to where um, the world is, our world is. I actually mm -hmm. love that concept. And then when she switches out the personalities and everything too, it shows what happens whenever she switches them out as well. Because remember whenever you had Karen who wanted up coming back, she's like, no, I don't want to go or anything. And she's just being drugged all the way back over to the underground, which I yeah. thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Every time something very traumatic happens, like the, the group therapy <laughs> episode before this one, where Cliff, the Mr. Robot, was trying to gather everybody in group therapy, um, and that her and Cliff, Cliff and her had this big fight, and it kind of triggered Karen, the love-struck puppy who was like trapped in 1990s rom-coms and she's torturing this poor guy Doug and and I'm like was, wait you know, Alabama kind of flavored though to it though it had a, a yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and she just torturing Doug and Doug was like oh no mm -mm, not this time and I wonder I'm like how many times has she tortured Doug <laughs> we actually get a, we actually have a little bit of a hint as to how she actually tortures Doug. Even yeah. the family is tired of her as well. Yeah, he was, they were like, uh uh, no, this is it. We're gonna we're gonna leave. We're not supporting we're this. Like, you. <laughs> we're done with you. Uh, yeah, because I was like, how how does he fall for this? It it has to be something in him that says, Hey, no, this is it. It's the fifteenth time, but this is it. No more sixteenth time, you know. But she <laughs> she actually like does this mind control where she can get him to fall in love with her instantly. Right. And right. Like, so that's why I understood. Oh, that's why she can just wreak havoc in this man's life. <laughs> right. And of course, too, he won't even remember that she even hypnotized him or anything like that. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's like, like said, like last time she left you so messed up, you were just woke up on the floor, didn't know what would happen, and it took right. you six months to recover. And we all can understand that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And then, right. And I also like the fact too is we all have stuff that we actually block out of our own memories and stuff, right? Yeah. So with her, with her personalities, it's like a defense mechanism for her. To where mm -hmm. she created these 16 uh, plus personalities to protect herself from the outside world because she's been hurt so many times that those personalities are the ones that actually protects her. And then also, too, we also found out that her actual father actually did something to her to cause these personalities to actually happen as well. And she does, and like she said, she's a very complex character. She, this actress is very good at playing a complex character. And she even says the world is a complex place to the point where she don't know who to trust. She does. Everybody backstabs each other and stuff like that. That's just life though. I mean, we don't know who to trust. We all have, we just have to go with our gut on who to trust and who not to trust. Mm -hmm. And that's just the delivery of that line that made me think, wow, she's on a deep level to where she's very complex to the point where she can't trust anybody. The only one that she can basically trust is Cliff and Cliff is actually the only person that actually gave her hope. And if Cliff gave her hope, there's no need to actually have those personalities inside of her anymore, which also makes those personalities also very afraid of the fact that he gave her hope. So therefore bye-bye all the personalities and just wind 
uh, just Jane, no longer crazy Jane, just Jane with superpowers, basically. Yeah, and like the person, one of the personalities said, um, until you, like when you came along, you gave her hope, and that's what got her in this like tailspin, right. where she's kind of spiraling out of control. Uh, but I, that episode, The Underground, is my one of my favorites. Mine too. To see all the personalities, mm-hmm. like because usually it's just Jane's face, right? And then she'll kind of just morph, and one of the personalities will come to the surface. But we get to see the personalities outside of Jane, and they're all in a circle, and they're like, "Jane, what are you doing? You're the primary. Like somebody yeah. has to drive this train because." they're too weak to be the primary to go to the surface. And she's basically the one that keeps the balance. She is. She is the one who keeps the balance. Another one that I would actually be afraid of for her personality is Hammerhead. I would be deadly scared of her, especially when we see her in the underground. I, I would be deadly scared of facing uh, facing her, to be honest with you. I wouldn't want to go up against her. Actually, the one I'm scared of is the one she becomes like Ant-Man, like the giant version of Ant-Man, and she's like inflamed. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you, but that's the one I'm scared of. I don't know. Hammerhead is the one that scares me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I- I'm done. I'll just throw oh, it a little bit. But... Yeah. We'll just shoot her. But you know what, though? Um, <laughs> but the part that reminds me of a Terminator scene is, don't forget, the Freddy Krueger-looking creature that lives underneath that underground to make her go over to the well because the well is where her personality would actually die and those other personas would actually take control of her yeah so basically what i got out of the whole thing with cliff was the whole terminator scene whenever he takes off the skin he goes i'm not even a man i'm a Mm. that's who i am and that told me right there okay he accepts who he is because that's who he is now he's no longer a man because remember he had a hard time accepting that for a while in the in the couple of episodes where he goes because even with the scene with the toast when he wants to try get eat a piece of toast and jane's like what the hell is wrong with you can a man just eat a toast without looking weird yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, and, and I like that scene too. I commend the um, special effects and the makeup artists because it was so cool that he just tore off like his human flesh, and you could see he was still Robo Man underneath. And right. he's like, "I'm not a man. I'm not." It was everything in that scene is just so symbolic. It is. And if you ever have a friend that's schizophrenic or is dealing with like multiple personalities. I would say that this episode is something to watch or if you are dealing with it yourself because it, it will help you understand what, what they're going through. Right. Because everything in it is, like I said, so symbolic. You know, like an open door could mean so much and, and puzzle pieces fall into the ground. Like it's it's just so powerful and you know, uh, all throughout like the season, I've been wondering what happened to Jane. Like, what is the core trauma? And we see the core trauma, which is she was molested by her dad when she was a kid. Um, and I've been waiting for that, just some reason. And I like that Doom Patrol kind of, um, they don't give you all the answers at once. They kind of like just lead up to this is the core 
trauma of this character. This is why this character is this way. You know, everything kind of unfolds piece by piece. Right. And that's another thing, though, too. I, I love the whole entire scene with the therapy scene. Yeah. Cliff thought it was a good idea to do therapy. And there was like an actual rat that was inside his head the mm-hmm. whole entire time. And <laughs> don't even start with me, Mika. Do not start about the stupid well, mouth. You like mice. Rats are different, see? <laughs> you don't like rats, too, right? No. no. Okay. No. okay. See? But, I don't have to start with you. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so... I like that whole entire scene. He's like, okay, good. We're getting down to the root of the problem. We're going to have therapy. And he's just like out of control. Cliff is just all over the place. He goes, you want a hug? And then he's over there shaking. He's over there shaking. Worst therapist, by the way, because he's impatient. And people are like, I want to tell you, but I can't. They're like, just get to the point. And I'm like, the therapist is not supposed to yell at you like oh, that. Phil. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> like, I want to say it, but I don't know. I'm afraid of my feelings. And they're like, just tell us. It's okay. <laughs> That's how Quill does therapy. He just right. like, at you. <laughs> just get to the point. You don't me with ADD. Just tell yeah. me. And then you see that scene, he was like shaking, like, oh boy, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. get to the point, get to the point. Like, his, his anxiety alone would just like make you want to say, okay, this is enough, just give me some pills so I right. can just calm myself down. <laughs> but another thing, though, too, is I like, I don't, I don't like this part, but it's sad. But yeah. the thing that happened to Cl- uh, Cliff, though, was. He it was his own fault, his own doing. Whenever he got into the whole entire car accident, whenever his wife got decapitated, he died. His daughter is now being taken care of by one of his friends, the friend that the wife was actually having an affair with, and that's who she actually called dad. And you know, uh, of course, you have Cyborg who is actually being the caring friend. He goes, "Look, I set you up with a Facebook account, a fake." Fake on Facebook account, and now he's seeing his daughter, do- someone, uh, his daughter calling that person, you know, their father, and all of a sudden he just snaps. Like the re- reality that he's in at the Doom Patrol mansion changes from Doom Patrol mansion to actually imagining kicking in that door of of his best friend that was having the affair with the wife, and then showing how the fact that in his mind that the guy is not even grateful to actually be taking her in. He just thinks of her as like a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, um, yeah. <laughs> that scene was just total bonkers, but I like how each character went with that one episode was going through something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, it gets deeper. Like, you know, you think, you know, one part, like you said in the beginning, okay. Oh no. Cliff died on the racetrack. But no, no, that was just part of it because they go back to revisit that. And then he's like, he's living. And I'm like, wait, okay, well, how did he get to be Robo Man? Right. I won't say Robo Cop, but I'm trying my best not to say Robo Cop. <laughs> Robo Cop in therapy. Okay. That's a yeah, new I mean, I, they might as well just have Robo Cop come in. Like, I, I'm here for it. <laughs> Right. But you you wonder like okay so if he didn't down the racetrack how did this happen and then you see him like sleeping with some whore in the trailer right 
And I'm like, this is a lot of Brendan Fraser that I'm trying to process. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, like, just pounding some girl in a yeah. trailer. I think it was training. the nanny, though. I think it was the nanny that he was pounding away on. That was still the nanny? I believe so, because even the narrator uh, was pointing that out, though, whenever he was trying to get him to stay in that reality. Oh, I was in the reality and everything. He goes, "You get to have your wife in this reality and everything," and he goes, "Nah, fuck you. I'm, I'm, I'm done." And and exits out of the oh. thing. same thing with Rita and everything too. But okay, let's go in and talk about this too. Okay, I like the fact that they're also while they're also trying to figure out their powers, they're actually trying to confront their demons mm. as well. And I, I feel like that that's actually what they needed to do before they actually focused on fighting crime together was fighting their own demons because of the fact that shame and guilt was just there with them. Especially whenever you look at, um, especially whenever you look at um, Matt Bomer's character, yeah, and everything too. That was a huge guilt because it was supposed to be this one last flight that he was supposed to do, this one last mission with the United States. Uh, Air Force or maybe the Army, and he gets into that whole entire accident, and it ruins his whole entire career, and everything. Mm. And next thing you know, the uh, agency of normalcy goes on ahead and takes him away from his wife, civilization, everything, and even his boyfriend that he actually has. So his whole entire life is now flipped upside down. Yeah, so, yeah, and Mister Nobody, um, is it? You remember, um, oh gosh, Jessica Jones, right? Yep. What's, what the man. guy's name was Purple? Yeah, it's the Purple Man. Purple Man, yeah, that's what Mr. Nobody reminds me of. Like, he'll just come ever so often and just manipulate your guilt and your shame and your feelings, and then he'll twist it up. So his, I mean, I know that his job was to just prevent them from finding Niles or the chief, you know. Um, But yeah, that's, I saw a lot of um, different shows that the Doom Patrol reminded me of. And I know that with the X-Men, there was a lot of similarities in Doom Patrol and X-Men and I know I read on Nerdist.com that Doom Patrol came out first before the X-Men. Okay. And there's speculation that maybe Stan Lee was inspired by Doom Patrol. I can see you that. Know, there's a lot of similarities in their their titles, um, the powers that they have. I see a little bit of Fantastic Four, too. Um, yeah. So I don't know about that part. But there's still that's just speculation. Like maybe well, maybe Stanley was inspired by Doom Patrol with X Men, and also later on maybe the creators of Umbrella Academy was inspired by Doom Patrol. So I think Doom Patrol has inspired a lot of the comics that we love today. They're trailblazers, basically, if you see I it that. that. Uh, to be honest with you, you actually bring up a very good point. But instead of having the uh, the agency of normalcy, you mm-hmm. actually have the political powers that be for X Men, which is your, yeah. which is actually the Washington D.C. 
federal agencies and stuff like that, rather than making it a fictional thing, Stanley made it a whole entire beast with using actual uh, the White House, using the polit- politics and everything at B with the White House, with DC, with stuff like that. So I can definitely see where he actually pulled from this and used it for this. So I can definitely see it. Yeah, because in Doom Patrol, it's the Brotherhood of Evil. And then in X-Men, it's the Brotherhood of, what, Evil Mutants? Mutants? Something like that. Yeah, the brother, something like that. So there's a lot of crossover and similarities. Then right. in the Umbrella Academy, you can see this father figure. And then there's all these people who have these special powers and then the father figure goes away and they're like on this mission to find the chief, their leader, the father mm-hmm. figure. And also Niles in Doom Patrol is in a wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. And then there's Professor X in his wheelchair. And right. then there's the um the episode where they actually found the Doom Patrol when they went back in time to the 1960s and they found Doom Patrol and they were in like I want to say so bad like Xavier's school (laughs) yeah it was like a Doom Patrol type of school and there was like special mutants but then you see that that wasn't even real itself it was just a a memory or some tempered memory Right, it was a falsification of a memory that they want that someone once had. I believe I, that might actually be Rita's memory, though, too. Because remember, Rita actually knew somebody within that agency, though, too. And then also, too, you also have, um, you know, you actually had Jane in there, though, as well. Oh, yeah. um, Miles knew that guy, remember? But I love mm-hmm. how in the office, when she's talking to him, you see this bright, sunny light. You see everybody walking and everything. All of a sudden, the paint and everything is just off of the walls. You see deterioration within this building and stuff like that. You see the building for what it is. It was just an illusion to fool them. Mm -hmm. Then the ones they actually found out that it was the illusion and everything, that's pretty much when they started realizing that, hey, look, this guy is actually trying to control us. Mr. Nobody's actually trying to hurt us with our own anxieties, our own fears. We need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Memento in that episode too is um, also like the X Men character. I have no idea why all of my comic knowledge just kind of just said bleh. It <laughs> just kind of fell out of my head, and everybody's watching. It's like I can't believe she doesn't know. I know, bleh, bleh, you know. You got right. to yell at you later. Because we're expecting these people to actually know. We're <laughs> expecting these heroes to actually know what they're facing against. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I like that, though. I like the fact that they don't know what they're facing. Mm-mm. You know? Because, no. right, because it gives some type of original flavor to it where they're actually trying to face this together despite everything. Yeah, yeah. And like we were saying, they, they have to deal with their own personal demons first before they can go on the mission to find Chief. Right. Because we already saw what happened whenever they were faced together the first time when they blew up the town. Yes. Yes, because they didn't deal with their own stuff. Right. And then also to the scene with the donkey, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Let's (laughs) talk about that. 
Yeah. Because okay. that was threw me off. Because I was like, okay, it's a donkey. Okay. Then all of a sudden, the donkey farts out this wormhole. Don't think about it too much. Just go with what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> and then they have to go in the donkey's ass. Yeah. 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 Just to just to get cheap and the donkey is some type of portal. Right. That's because- when I, I almost joined. I almost quit the show. I was like, a donkey that farts? A wormhole? But the- I, I, my finger was like this on the remote. Like, I think maybe we shouldn't do this. And I was like, let me see where this is going to go. Gonna I can just see it going. This is, what kind of witchcraft is this? What is this foolishness? And I was like, uh, okay, okay. I'm just going to put the remote down. I'm going to see where this is going to go. Maybe this show is going to go somewhere. Just hang but in there. I think it has to be too hokey for some people, you know? Yeah, yeah, a, a donkey that farts out a wormhole and the town gets sucked into that wormhole is that's enough for anybody to just turn it and say, I can't. And don't forget, <laughs> that's also how they figure it out, though, too, because they actually saw pictures of the donkey coming in from different time eras. Like, what's going on with this donkey here? And then you also have Brandon Fraser's character going in and everything, too. And I forgot who it was he actually runs into, and they're like, what the hell is up with the donkey? He goes, I don't know. There's just something about him. I have to try and figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) The town is totally destroyed, too, and he's over there just walking the donkey. Cliff is just over there walking the donkey and everything. Yeah, that was Cyborg. That's when Cyborg. Yeah, Cyborg. What are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to figure out how this donkey works. (laughs) <laughs> donkey's like what are you doing to me <laughs> and then the donkey talks but it's right. Mr. Nobody talking Nobody. through the donkey it's like right. prepare for my wrath imagine a donkey saying prepare for my wrath <laughs> you know and then it farts out green smoke and it's like a black then, hole like would you out. America turn from that and say I can't today <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> I can't I don't think I can today Tomorrow's not looking good either, by the way. Not looking good. I was like, this has to go somewhere. But America... It went somewhere and went up the donkey's ass. It gets better, America. It gets better. You just got to get past episode one and two, and it gets better. Okay? It does. Just hang in there. Then also, too, the donkey also spits out Jane. (laughs) I just I told him it gets better, John. <laughs> it's just it's looking so good. Uh, now you have to go back and say it gets better. It gets better, America. It gets better. But yeah, I thought, you know, the first two episodes and everything is just a setup for the plot line and stuff like that. I thought it was good for those two episodes. It does have a little bit of an acid trip. But I also like the other one, though, when you actually, with the town that disappears whenever people are trying to find it. Yeah, Danny Street. Danny Street. And I liked how everybody thought that was actually a name of a person. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like a person, like an undercover agent. My name's Danny Street. Yeah, Terrible. right? Just, it gets better. It does. Just it really does. Hang but in there. The first thing that Cyborg says, he goes, he goes I walked this street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. But That episode was my favorite, too, because Danny like- Street is 
mostly just a, a safe haven for anybody, a utopia that mm-hmm. we all dream of, where you can just be yourself, where where every where the world accepts you, like non-binary, your sexuality, whatever you want to be, like mm-hmm. everybody gets along on Danny Street. And Danny Street is just a small town. And very Danny small Street, town. yeah, very small town, which I'm wondering, is Danny some type of entity? You know, because you don't see Danny, right? You just, Danny communicates through like billboards. Like you can just be walking and then you see a billboard that says, hello, how are you? And you're like, whoa, is it or talking or it could say, welcome to Mika and everything. And, and I'm like, like, oh, yeah, it's basically like giant text messages. Danny communicates through like a billboard or a marquee. And you're like, oh, and then like, are you okay? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I think so. What's wrong? Talk to me. And you're like, whoa. And then all of a sudden you're like talking to a billboard and you don't even realize yeah. you're talking to a billboard. Or it can be like, oh, it's like my friend texting me, you know. And that right. in itself could be like what what we're going through now. Like people don't talk on the phone anymore. They just kind of text. Right. <laughs> so another thing though too that I liked was the FBI agent. He's trying to shut down Danny Street. And then, you know, you can definitely tell the agent is not like all the other agents though. Just his mannerisms. To me, I picked up on him right away. With his I was kind of slow. <laughs> you see, I actually picked up on his mannerisms to know that he was actually gay. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, something's going to happen to where the FBI might actually have this Bureau of Normalcy has to go on ahead and maybe uh, pick uh, try and investigate his disappearance or something has actually got to happen with him. Yeah. But, and I liked how he all of a sudden just becomes a cross-dresser and everything. And, you know, I thought that was actually pretty uh, good on that part. And he becomes himself. He knows who he is. He's self-aware of who he knows how, who he is now. He doesn't have to hide from anybody anymore. And whenever the Doom Patrol comes over and stuff like that, he explains why he went into hiding. He also explains why the why he was a part of that normalcy, but he doesn't want to be part of that normalcy anymore. <clears throat> And now he accepts who he is, that Danny Street's no longer going to hide who they are. They're going to be out in the open, which is basically them saying that they're coming out of the closet and stuff like that, too. And he's also presenting it to the federal agents, which I thought was actually pretty good, though, too. And the agency does not accept it because they're the agents of normalcy. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, they're going to shut that shit down or try to shut that shit down. But Yeah. 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 Everything you said is just right on point. Like, you know, by him. <laughs> That's what Crichton says. It says it sounds like a joke between towards Disney. Tara says that she agrees. She says that she loves your T-shirt, Tamika. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, where did I get this shirt from? I'll probably talk about it later once it comes back to my head. Okay. But I let you know where I got it from, Tara. Um, but yeah, like you said. Um, the Danny Street, like we were saying, is a safe haven. The agent found who he was, who he was hiding. Like you said, he had to endure all the jokes about homosexuality and just kind of like shove it down just to be accepted as one of the guys. Um, but by him being 
hiding in Danny Street and them moving Danny Street from here to there and the agency like chasing after them, it took a toll on the citizens of Danny Street because all the life and joy that they once had was just diminished because they were always on the run. And he had to face the agency. And, And that was the only true way that he could be free. It's like somebody who discovers that they're gay, but they don't tell their parents. Like they tell their friends and they're like, yes, I'm gay, I'm liberated. But then you have that one more hurdle, which is to face your parents and to say, mom, dad, I'm gay. And I don't care what you think. Like that's how that episode, that's what that episode reminded me of too. Same, same as well. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I want to also talk about the struggle that Cyborg actually had to face, though, too, because there was a, a lot of man- manipulation with him with the video feeds that Mr. Nobody was facing as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we already know that his father's a giant douchebag. Yeah. And, you know, I believe if Cyborg had a choice, he didn't want to be alive. He didn't want to be chopped up into pieces. But, his dad, with his own uh, beliefs, with his own, uh, what's the word I'm looking his own ego. Yeah. And it wouldn't let him die or anything like that. So he wanted to save his son. So he actually ended up doing all those experimentations on him and everything and try to save him. And then there's even this one scene between, My- My- uh, between Miles and him because they actually know each other. Mm-hmm. And. You know, he's actually responsible. Miles is actually, the uh, sheep is actually responsible for what happened to Brandon Frazier's character, all these other characters. And he actually was the one who actually planned their deaths and stuff on how they were going to do, how he was actually going to experiment on them. So there's also this line where uh, Cyborg's father's like, well, you're telling me I'm, you're better than me. Look what everything you've done. You've the one, you ended up putting a brain in some in somebody's uh, in a robot. You winded up doing this to Rita. You did this to Jane. You did this to this other person. And you're going to tell me that you're better than me. I did this so I could save my son. So he was actually trying to act like he was moral uh, in his own mo- way. He was actually thinking that he was actually doing something morally right. But at the same time, what cost? You're actually causing self-grief with your son by putting in false memories or yeah. actually doing other things That's as well. <laughs> print is where. Okay. I'll print is where you got the t-shirt. Yeah. Out of print.com, Tara. Sorry, John. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Adding on to what you were saying. Um, the dad is an egotistical douchebag. Right. Um, but the more you get into the story, um, the season, um, the more, I guess I kind of feel sorry for the dad because he had to choose between his wife and his son. And I think he said his wife told him, go ahead and save our boy. Right. So he thought, well, this is the only way I can save him um, is to put all these body parts, mechanical body parts on him. But it also uh, sim- symbolizes mind control, too, right? Because he's in charge of his system right. from far off somewhere else. 
Um, and and all these memories, these um memories he had was a lie, like his dad programmed to just shield him from the truth. Right. And he thought, oh, I've been responsible for my mom's death this whole time, and that's my story arc as a superhero. Right. Even Mr. Like, Nobody says that too. Yeah, yeah, I like how that's questioned too. Um, and that's messed up. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Out, outofprint.com. Okay. We can put it later in the show. So. Yeah, we can. We can put it in the show notes if we want. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay. But, you know, I actually have to say, I like how Mr. Nobody makes people confront themselves, though, too. Mm, yeah, he's yeah. a villain, but he also makes people confront the truth forcefully. He makes them tell the <laughs> truth. Yeah, manipulates them. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. purple man. <laughs> right. But you know, I thought I, I thought that Mister Nobody's character was really good. I liked how he said, "Oh, this is going to be your story arc. This is going to be where you really shine." Mm-hmm. And then also too, when he beats the hell out of his own father, and then he goes, "You did it." <laughs> has like yeah. this arcade firework type of thing, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a uh, ass. <laughs> but then, <laughs> you know, episode fourteen or thirteen is where we get a little bit into Mister Nobody's story mm-hmm. as well. Like him wanting to prove himself as a man um, to his girlfriend, which <laughs> that seems to be. A- a running theme. <laughs> he wanted to prove himself to his girlfriend. I can get into the brotherhood of evil. And she's like, no, you're a loser. You're a nobody. Right. And also, <laughs> too, she also says this to him, though, too. Uh, she goes, well, why can't well, you can always get back in? He goes, no, I can't get back in. And he made himself before probably making him this top-notch villain and everything. And he goes, no, I, he goes, no, there's no chance of me. Once I'm kicked out, I'm kicked out. And everything. The only reason why I'm still alive is because I'm not a threat. So, in other words, is you threw these balloons in the air, making you look like that you're this big villain, but really you're this little peon. You're not even a capo. Like I'm using, I'm using a uh, mafia term, capo, something that's made or anything like that. You're just an outsider trying to be something that you're not, and you're throwing caution into the wind, hoping something is actually going to happen. When it's not going to happen, and that's actually what happens to him with his with his girlfriend walking out on him. And then I also like how all the heroes actually use that against him. Mm-hmm. If you actually think about it, he's like, oh, how original. <laughs> you have uh, someone that actually walked out on you. You get mm-hmm. out that little after all. Yeah. It makes him feel really small as well. Yeah. Um, it it reminds me of Stephen King, it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, where they like, yeah, bullied him or whatever. Uh, Crane, yeah, they are doing a season three of Doom Patrol. Tamika and I were just talking about that before we actually aired. I, didn't you say something about Canada that they might try and film up in Canada rather than uh, Atlanta or something like that? Or was that just a speculation? Uh, that was what I was thinking because I, I live in Georgia, which is where Doom Patrol is filmed. Like, majority of their locations are filmed in Georgia. Um, most of the which is kind of weird because Marvel films in Georgia too. So they're kind of like you know, fighting over Georgia. But you get a tax credit for filming in Georgia. So that's why a majority of the uh, movies and these superhero companies come to Georgia to film. Um, but we still have a high COVID rate. So I was wondering 
how will they be able to shoot for season three? And I was thinking maybe they could go to Canada <laughs> and, and follow me here. I know I'm about to get into a Doom Patrol type of um, timeline here. <laughs> but like my sister watches the Hallmark Channel, right? So they have like different shows and they film their shows in Canada still, but they get tested for COVID. So I'm wondering, would they have to eventually go to Canada? Or somewhere else. The rate is lower in Canada. Yeah, or somewhere else where they can shoot. Or if they do continue to shoot it in Georgia, um, I don't know. Well, we already saw, of course, Tom Cruise explode on the set uh, Mission Impossible. (laughs) Bring Tom Cruise out there. He'll get everybody to wear a mask. <laughs> but I, I believe that you could probably still do in Atlanta as long as you do your social distancing with the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. With that way, after your scene is over with, put your mask back on. The next set of people comes out and they do their thing. And location by location, everybody does their social distancing, does their hand sanitizers, and also to their mask. I yeah. think that you'd be okay. You know, but you know, you're actually going to be interacting with someone up close. That's another thing. They could also do a studio as well. They could actually just yeah. do a, shoot it out of a studio. That's actually another safer option as well. And then, of yeah. course, do your temperatures and stuff like that as well. So yeah. that's just a little speculation piece that I thought. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the NBA has the bubble where they have all the players um, confined in this giant bubble of a stadium. And they all have to be in a specific hotel and they all have to get tested around the clock. So they could do it that way too. Right. Which is the, I, I like that idea though too. Mm-hmm. Where, where they're actually safe like that. Um, so let's talk about episode 14, I think it was, whenever we actually see the guy flexing. <laughs> oh, Mr. Flex. Mr. Flex. Yeah. And. And of course, you know, they're on Danny Street. Danny Street also does this. She can also give you a comic book to read to actually represent on what's actually going on in your life to where you can actually do something, where you can actually cope with something. Well, in yeah. this one, Mr. Flex, in order then to go to the nothing world where Mr. Nobody's at, he has to flex a certain muscle to actually bring you into that world. Yeah. He flexes the wrong muscle. He mm. the orgasm muscle. Mm. And everybody comes together as one. Yes. It <laughs> and they have like the biggest orgasm I've ever seen. It's yep, fire hydrants exploding. One giant orgy. Yeah. <laughs> the building's yeah, over there. Yeah, the fire hydrant exploded. <laughs> the fire hydrant had an orgasm. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> wow. And then um Rob Cliff. Slash Robo Man was like, I don't because he can't feel. He's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I think I know what he was going for though. I think he was thinking, okay, this is some type of seance, so I have to go ahead and do what they're doing so I can get into this world too. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, I'm gonna be stuck here on Danny's world while everybody else is over there in nothing world. So and then like, he had an oh, orgasm. Oh. You could see the marquee say, Oh, oh god, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, this video is not for kids, so this is actually not. Gonna be... <laughs> you gotta put rated R on this one, right? 
And then the oh. like, you know that like that um, you know the car dealerships when they have that floating thing. That thing had an orgasm too. Right. So everything in that town had an orgasm. Everything and everyone on Danny Street had an orgasm in the street. And Danny, oh my God, oh 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 oh, <laughs> and it's like whoa. <laughs> and then when it ended, like don't touch me, don't touch me. <laughs> and then I like that when you looked at Cliff. Yeah, and they're like, were you faking the orgasm? Like, no. No, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't fake anything. No, I, 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 I can feel. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so one surprise character for season three, who would you pick and why? Is this so, anybody from like yeah. the DC? Yeah. Universe? Yeah. I think okay. these should just randomly show up. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Zatanna uh, coming in there because I mm. think she would actually be perfect for that universe. Zatanna? Yeah, her too. She could just randomly, she could be on Danny Street. That's what know, I was going to say. Just so, like magic tricks. Like, ta da. Well, Raven. Raven could be another good one, though, too, for mm. Jane. Oh, that'd be a good match for Jane. Yeah. Right. Because I feel like their personalities would actually match up really good. Yeah, and that could be what Crichton was saying. That could be like a good crossover. Like you can have one of the Teen Titan characters just randomly show up in season three. Right, and that's what I'm saying too. Like you don't want no big name characters show up or whatever to overshadow those characters. And Zatanna is actually an under well not underground character, but she's not well known to other people. Either. Yeah, and Raven, she's known, but not into the world that an average person like is actually watching the show or whatever. Don't even know who Raven is. Same thing with Zatanna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So that that's our answer, Crichton. <laughs> what do you think, though? Let me think of what uh, what you think of her answer, Crichton. Going ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. or anyone. <clears throat> Uh, so let's see. Another thing, though, too, even whenever uh, the very ending of the episode, like with the, um, you know, how you can actually go back and they'll actually have like a little caption of what happened in the next episode, last episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the narrator goes, and we go to our heroes where they all come together. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually how he actually puts it. You said <laughs> snorted. <laughs> and then of course you get into the whole entire thing where all of a sudden you hear the Chumbawumba music coming and uh, playing though too. You hear you remember that old Chumbawumba song that came yeah. out in nineteen ninety seven? I yeah. get knocked down but I get back up again. Yeah. And well, Jane, she's in her little camp the Doom Patrol van. And then you also have Cliff that's coming in there bringing her food. Mm -hmm. But by the time she wakes up from uh, from her unconsciousness, from being high, and everything from heroin, she mm -hmm. she at the door shows. So you were the fucking person that was bringing me the cold food. He goes, yeah. "It wasn't cold when I bought it." But um, but anyways, she he goes she goes. You hear that fucking music? What Chumba Wumba? 
let's go on ahead and see who's fucking playing that thing. Yeah. So they're asked, "Do you want to go?" So they all go. So they go on ahead. They go into the van and everything. Next thing you know, they meet up with Rita, and also to uh, what's the other character? Uh, that Larry. Larry. Okay. Larry. <laughs> Larry. I don't even know where Larry is tonight. Larry. So. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Crichton said that he would actually pick Superdog to show up. Yeah, anybody could show up in that. We right. we talked about a farting donkey. So right. Why not Superdog? <laughs> why not Superdog? And then a talking right. cockroach. You forgot about that. Oh yeah. Speaking <laughs> of the talking cockroach part, he actually transformed into a giant ass uh, cockroach. Oh no! And then the rat, too. The rat no... also transforms into a giant rat. Oh, Ad- Admiral Whiskers. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, whose um, mom died? Again, <laughs> ran over the school bus. And right. Narrator, and your mom's like me, 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 me. That made me laugh my ass off, though. That was a revenge story about a rat taking revenge oh, Cliff. Which is actually funny though, <laughs> but um, yeah. Wait, okay. What happens with this giant cockroach and this giant rat mm-hmm. is the fact that they're actually using Larry's powers to actually destroy the rat. Oh, so, wow. so Cliff winds up uh, against swallowed by the rat. Mm. They have to, and he has to actually go into the cockroach because the radiation and everything with the cockroach will actually help make them survive. Mm. So Rita gets swallowed up by the cockroach. Uh, Larry gets swallowed up by the cockroach. Brandon Fraser is the only one that got swallowed up by the rat. So as the rat and the cockroach are about to eat each other, uh-oh, <laughs> and everything, Brandon Fraser is actually coming out of the mouth and everything, and then going into the um, <clears throat> going into the rat. And as of course, when Larry goes on hand, shoots his radiation. And then the rat is dead. And yeah. the narrator is still talking. And remember the bearded guy, the guy that uh, swallowed uh, the, what is in this YouTube video? <laughs> it's a good series. We promise it's a very good series. Just hang in there, America. It's, it's really good. Season, like the first episode is like, whoa. I don't and think after what John's talking about is when it gets like back to see the first episode, it gets kind of crazy. Well, this is in the and last. The that's the last part. episode. Yeah, it is. But yeah. just you know, but, in the middle is good. Right. <laughs> She's like, right. So, in other words, is skip one through six and just go seven through ten. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, talk about it, and you don't have to even watch it. But remember the bearded guy, the guy that um, ended up eating. um, Oh yeah, guy. Yeah, he's actually in that club, and they're singing to the Chumbawamba song. Oh, Oh, that guy. And uh, you know, the funny thing is, it goes. I'm glad that the rat is dead and the cockroach is dead. But what happens to us? And all of a sudden, the building just explodes because they're dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and wait, going back to them dying, uh, they went back 
um, what was that? Episode 13, where, you know, Chief, no, 14, like Chief's back and everything's happy. And right. it's like, oh, okay, now we can fight crime as the Doom Patrol. Right. And then face the robot who kills them over and over and over. And then finally, Chief is like out of the light. When we had to, we had to see that six different ways they died. Yeah. After the seventh time, Chief's like, "Wait, wait, stop, stop! Don't go out there as a set." <laughs> because <laughs> just got, you can tell that he's gonna bore to death though of dying. <laughs> Of them dying because at first you, know, you can actually feel the dramatic power and everything in it. He's like, uh, yeah. You guys died, and he's crying. And then after the fifth or sixth time, he's like, He's just bored. He's like, and he's acting like he's, he's actually sad that they're dead and everything, but you can tell that he's actually bored at this yeah. point. He knows he's repeating the same thing over and over again. It has a little bit of an edge of tomorrow kind of feel, also, Groundhog's kind of bit, uh, mm-hmm. to it as well. But yeah. Umbrella Academy too, because yep, the chief is actually uh, a bastard. <laughs> but also too, it also has a Doctor Strange kind of flavor though too, with Dormor Dorm Dormammu. Oh yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, because we learned in um, like episode fourteen, right, that the right. chief orchestrated all these accidents that these people had. Right, and that's what I was yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then you're like, wait, you orchestrated this guy getting in his car accident and his wife dying? And he's like, wait, I didn't plan on the, the wife dying. <laughs> I just want to to die. And oh, that makes it okay. And steal his brain. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. I just wanted his brain. That's all. I, um, and I, then Larry. I, yeah. I guess he's I can see somebody going, I have some good news and I got some bad news. What? Yeah. We got Cliff. The bad yeah. news is he died. What? Mm-hmm. I didn't mean for her to die. I just wanted him yeah. to die. <laughs> yeah. And then Larry, I plan for Larry to go up in the spacecraft or the, you know, the Air Force mission and then this electromagnetic pulse thingamajigger comes and just gets in his body and he dies. <laughs> well, not dies, but yeah. you know. Right, that kind of reminded me of Deadpool too. Like when he got into that accident and he was burned, like his whole body was burned and burnt skin. It had a very Deadpool feel to it. Not only that, but even that little thing that he was actually confined in, though, too. That little, yeah. You know, what I'm yep. talking about like that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poppin type yeah. player last thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that like a iron long type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, his yeah. his little what would you call that? Like the electronic electricity man? <laughs> Actually that, his character name is called Negative Man. Oh, right. This was the 60s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Negative Man pops out of him. <laughs> but yeah. Negative man pops out of him, and then we come to find out throughout the series, negative man is the one that's helping him to confront his past as well, right? You know? Which I thought was a good thing. I liked how negative man yeah. was trying to do that at the same time. Larry thought that he was actually being vindictive and evil to him because of the fact that he was making him relive something over and over again, 
in a sense of his past, but it was for him to come to terms with his past. And that's also the same thing with Rita, because Rita's th- name wasn't even Rita. It was actually a fake persona that she brought up was her stage name. Yeah. And everything, too. So yeah. we actually had that. Yeah. But yeah, the um, it is very wacky, <laughs> as you have heard. But it, there's a lot of good elements in this series and with these superheroes being so complex. Basically, it's like one giant acid trip group therapy orgy of a good <laughs> series. It is. I mean... There's a lot of, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, this has a lot of layers to it. It has comedy in it. It has yeah. uh, it has drama. It has action. It has a lot of relatable and touchy things that people are actually afraid to actually uh, touch base on and everything. And it kind of brings it a little bit of light to where people can actually relate to the show. I recommend this show to anybody that wants to check this out for something that's actually different. And yes, it has a wonky kind of flavor to it and everything, but underneath the surface of all that wonkiness, there's actually something that's actually there, that's actually driven, that makes you care about this show. Yeah. Yeah, and and it gives me a very Umbrella Academy feel to it. Right. Yeah, there's like uh, deep layers you have to go into um psychologically and it deals with mental health and sexuality and um abuse and being a good father like lots of father issues and and imposter syndrome and all the other stuff just all mixed up in one like i i really appreciate them tackling all those issues yeah i feel like they did a good job with it but yeah the records are fantastic minus the fart and donkey and the talking cockroach and the right. rat that wants to get revenge. But anyways, um, is there anything else that you want to say for your final thoughts about the show, or was that pretty much everything that you wanted to try and cover with it? I think we pretty much cover everything. And okay. if we didn't, then you can watch it yourself. Right. <laughs> I know there was like maybe a couple of small little things that we didn't capture, but I want you guys to go ahead and view it for yourselves. We just want to have a good time just talking about it like we are just talking about different scenes together and things like that. Because really, we're just best friends just watching this show and just just exploring this together as friends and talking about a way that we would actually talk to each other about it if we were just uh, having lunch together or whatever. So that's the way that I actually wanted to go in with the process of actually doing this episode. So that being said, I'm going to go on and say this. We're starting up tomorrow with our first ever Patreon episode. And it's going to be a live event for the YouTube channel. It's going to be at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, which you're not even, and I know Tamika's having a hard time with Central Time. (laughs) (laughs) All my life, I have grown up on Eastern Time. Right. All my life. I grew up on Central and Eastern Time. So I'm getting used to it, John. Right. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you're getting used to it. <laughs> but we're going to be doing our review for Little Caesar. And no, this is not the pizza delivery place or anything like no. that. It's actually the Italian mobster classic movie that came out in the 1930s. We're going to be reviewing this. This is actually our first ever 
time actually doing a classic movie for our Patreon. This is actually our $5 tier for our Patreon. Matter of fact, you can find our Patreon at www.patreon slash forward slash movieloversunite.com. So that's actually in the link below. So you guys can sign up for that. We have a $5 tier, a $10 tier, and a $20 tier. Check that out. Uh, another thing, too, is we also have a movieloversunite.com. You can find all your information for movie lovers. Like, for instance, if you love movie reviews, go on and check out movie reviews. If you guys like uh, movie news, we have movie news articles and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, we're, I might actually start doing maybe a little bit of showdown articles and everything, too, in the future, which is actually the movie trivia show, just to actually have a little bit of a different flavor to the site a little bit just to try and get some stuff out there um then of course if you guys want to we also have a gofundme page which you can find the link below go on and check us out if you want to donate towards the show and everything you guys don't have to but we completely understand as well with this whole entire pandemic and everything it would be greatly appreciated if you can if you can't that's okay too we're just glad to actually have you as a fan and a part of this community another thing too guys is we're actually sponsored by audible you can find the link below I'm not doing a um, – right now, I, I can only do the advertisement for the uh, the NBA shop only two days a week. So, mm. you know, 75% off, you actually get to save 75% off and everything went right. Actually, you have the links up and everything. So if you like NBA gear and stuff, stay tuned for that. You'll find out how you can actually save 75%. But anyways, um, another thing, though, too, we also have – Pinterest, which is called Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. We also have an Instagram called Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And we also have a uh, page on Facebook called Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. That page has been up and running since 2013, and it's been up and running since then. And then, of course, you can find me at John Diagorio 8 on Twitter and also on Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter as well. And also, too, guys, thank you again. Don't forget to also give me a thumbs up. On this YouTube channel, don't forget to smash that share button. Share this with everybody, not just looking at this from a YouTube channel or anything like that. Thank you again, Tamika, for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, John. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. And thank you, Tara. Thank you, Crichton, for watching us and everything. We do appreciate it. Always until next time, guys. It's been a blast. It's been fun. Stay safe. Bye-bye.